Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. Hola! Bienvenidos! Todas personas aquí. El gusto es mío. Me llamo Roman. Esta es la clase de historia español. I'm just kidding. This is not, uh, this certainly isn't Spanish class. Uh, this is actually a, well, it's certainly kind of a history class, but it's definitely not a Spanish class, ladies and gentlemen. But welcome to it. This is the podcast where TLDR does not apply and the study of history is a way of life every single day of the week. Somebody might ask, well, what was with that Spanish up there at the front of the uh, the podcast episode there, Roman? Actually, I did study Spanish in college, believe it or not. Oh my gosh, Roman, why on earth did you study Spanish in college? Well, you know, it was just one of those things. I actually, I kind of took a liking to the language, you know? Estudio Español porque me gusto los dos, inglés y español. I hope I got that right. Um, my Spanish is a bit rusty, so if, so, if, there's, a, if there's a native Spanish speech, speaker out there, and you're like, Roman, that uh, that Spanish there, it's uh, muy terrible. Uh, si, entiendo. I know. I know it's uh, muy terrible. Uh, necesito practicar mucho, or practicar más. One of the two. But yeah, it's, it's very rusty. So this is kind of my advice to you. I, I was thinking about this the other day when I was actually uh, speaking broken Spanish to somebody. Um, it's always very painful to somebody, somebody who actually does speak fluent Spanish, to listen to my Spanish. It's very painful to them. And I really feel for them. I really do. But my advice to you, if you study, uh, for this is my advice to you younger folks out there between the ages of 15 and 25, if you're uh, in high school or college, or maybe you just graduated from college and you did study Spanish or French or some other foreign language, keep using it because it's a, it's kind of a use it or lose it thing. My Spanish is very rusty because I never really used it uh, that much, except when I was studying it in college. I took three semesters of Spanish in college, and I did actually get, you know, in three semesters, you can get fairly you know, far along in, in the Spanish language to the point where you can actually be relatively conversational for the most part. But then that quickly drops off if you don't use the Spanish, which would be the case with me. Because uh, in my circle of friends and the people that I know and talk to most commonly, none of them speak any Spanish at all, really. So I don't really get to use it that much. But it is an interesting language. Like I said, I took a liking to it, so I studied it. And I did take some Spanish in high school as well. That's one of those uh, little-known facts about Roman, in case you're curious. So on this episode, what we're going to do is we are going to finally, at long last, do a full episode on Samuel Adams, the father of the American Revolution, a.k.a. the big guns of the American Revolution. He was an interesting character. Uh, he actually attended Harvard College, as I do recall, uh, based on uh, some of the readings that I've done about the man. Uh, he was married a few times, had several children. I think most of them died in their youth, unfortunately. Kind of a bit of a businessman for a time. Uh, I don't think he was terribly successful with that, as best as I can recall. Eventually, he made a friend of John Hancock. Uh, just prior to that, I believe, he was a tax collector, interestingly enough. Now, a lot of people don't know that about Samuel Adams. He was a tax collector. Very interesting. But yes, we will be uh, talking a great deal about Samuel Adams today. We're going to read some letters from Samuel Adams, which is always a good thing. A lot can be learned from this man and what he had to say leading up to the, uh, the shooting war that began in 1775. So I want to thank everybody out there for joining me on this episode. If there's anybody new to the podcast, I want to thank you for joining us. And once again, I will put this out there. The 100th episode is fast approaching, ladies and gentlemen. 
and I have uh, turned over the content of that episode to you. I am taking suggestions for what you want me to talk about. Could be just about anything. Could be something that maybe I talked about in a, in a past episode, but didn't really elaborate on. Maybe you want to know more about that. Or it could be completely unrelated to anything that we've talked about so far on the podcast. Could be something different. Uh, a whimsical example I provided on the previous podcast, if somebody wants me to, you know, wax philosophical about who built the uh, ancient pyramids of Egypt, I can do that. Or if somebody wants me to uh, wax philosophical about the uh, the fall of the Roman Empire, I can do that. Or if somebody just wants me to talk about random fun topics like movies, music, entertainment, things of that nature, I can definitely do that too. So suggestions can be left in the reviews to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's where I take those. If you leave a review there with a suggestion, I will consider it. Or if you so choose, you can go over to the Patreon website and you can uh, sign up, create an account there, and then leave a message on the Patreon side of things. So with all that said, what do you say we start reading some letters from Samuel Adams? What do you say we do that right now? All right, so let's get into it. I'll try not to scare anybody off on this podcast episode. Roman, what are you talking about? Nah, it is what it is. Can't promise the same for future episodes, but I'll, I'll keep it pretty mild on this episode. Uh, well, I will. Samuel Adams won't, but I will. So let's uh, let's read a, uh, a letter written from Samuel Adams going live to 1774. Samuel Adams is going to report from Boston on May 18th. This letter is going to be written to Arthur Lee. And let's uh, hear what he has to say, ladies and gentlemen. Quote, My dear sir, the edict of the British Parliament, commonly called the Boston Port Act, came safely to my hand. For flagrant injustice and barbarity, one might search in vain among the archives of Constantinople to find a match for it. But what else could have been expected from a parliament too long under the dictates and control of an administration which seems to be totally lost to all sense of feeling and morality, and governed by passion, cruelty, and revenge? For us to reason against such an act would be idleness. Our business is to find means to evade its malignant design. The inhabitants view it not with astonishment, but indignation, end quote. Well, that's good to hear. The people view it with indignation. But notice how he says, quote, For us to reason against such an act would be idleness, end quote. For us to reason against such an act would be idleness. In other words, to do nothing. He wants action. He wants people to get up and do something, not start a shooting war. That's not what he's saying. And you're going to hear that in, in letters that we're going to read on this episode. It's not what he's talking about. But he wants people to get up off their rear end and actually do something. Okay, well, that's good. And he's talking about, again, the Boston Port Act. If, you, if you're new to the podcast and you want to know what that is, you're going to have to go back and listen to the, uh, the previous episodes of the podcast about the Intolerable Acts of 1774, because I am not going to talk at length about them on this episode. Interesting what he says about uh, Parliament and the administration. Quote, But what else could have been expected from a Parliament too long under the dictates and control of an administration, which seems to be totally lost to all sense and feeling of morality, and governed by passion, cruelty, and revenge? End quote. That actually sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it, folks? Oh my gosh, Roman, what do you mean? I'm not, I'm not even going to go there. Lost to all sense and feeling of morality. Interesting. It's like virtue that way lost to all sense and feeling of morality. And we're going to hear the word virtue come up. I think it's in the next letter or the one thereafter that we're going to read. And when you hear these words from Samuel Adams, probably best to pay attention. I mean, you can write Samuel Adams off as being a complete moron if you want to, but I'm not going to. Now, those people who have already left the podcast and are not coming back, they have written Samuel Adams off as being a moron. More specifically, they're probably scared of what he has to say, but uh, I'll talk more on that on a future episode, perhaps. I don't know. I don't really want to get into it. I'm not in the mood. 
So let us continue reading some letters from Samuel Adams about what is going on in 1774. Hmm, okay. This is going to be a letter written to an Elbridge Jerry. Elbridge Jerry, does anybody know who Elbridge Jerry is? That name sound familiar? Anybody ever heard the term gerrymandering in, in reference to redistricting? Uh, that, that would come from this guy, Elbridge Jerry. He was also a vice president of the United States. And this is written from Samuel Adams to Mr. Elbridge Jerry, uh, written in Boston on May the 20th of 1774. And I quote, Dear Sir, I have just come to acquaint you that yesterday our committee of correspondence received an express from New York with a letter from thence, dated the 15th instant, informing that a ship arrived there after a passage of 27 days from London with the detested act for shutting up this port that the citizens of New York resented the treatment of Boston as a most violent and barbarous attack on the rights of all America. That the general cry was, let the port of New York voluntarily share the fate of Boston. That the merchants were to meet on Tuesday last. And it was the general opinion that they would entirely suspend all commercial connection with Great Britain and not supply the West Indies with hoops, staves, lumber, etc. That they hoped the merchants in this and every colony would come into the measure as it was of the last importance. Excuse me, I am in great haste, your friend, Samuel Adams, end quote. Okay, so again, the Boston Port Act, closing down the Port of Boston, and amongst the other intolerable acts, including overthrowing the legitimate government of Massachusetts. But he says here, quote, as a most violent and barbarous attack on the rights of all America, end quote. Apparently there's some people in New York who have some uh, commitment to the people of Boston and what they're going through, which is good. So what's the communication here? What's he trying to say with this and other letters that he writes? Uh, America needs to be unified in defending its rights. Just like today, we need to be unified in defending our rights. This is what we have to learn from Samuel Adams. Okay, good news. Let us continue. We're going to read another letter. We're just zipping right through them today, folks. This is going to be a letter written to Charles Thompson from Boston on May the 30th of 1774. We're going to go a little ways into the letter before we start, but then it's going to sound a little something like this. Quote, A Congress is of absolute necessity in my opinion, but from the length of time it will take to bring it to pass, I fear it cannot answer for the present emergency. The Act of Parliament shuts up our port. It is not necessary to push for a suspension of trade with Great Britain as far as it will go and let the yeomanry, whose virtue must finally save this country, resolve to desert those altogether who will not come into the measure. This will certainly alarm the manufacturers in Britain, who felt more than our enemies would allow, the last non-importation agreement. The virtuous forbearance of the Friends of Liberty may be powerful enough to command success. Our enemies are already holding up to the tradesmen the grim picture of misery and want to induce them to yield to tyranny. I hope they will not prevail upon them, but this is to be feared unless their brethren in the other colonies will agree upon measures of speedy support and relief, end quote. Very interesting there. So the politicians the and the monarchy, the parliament and the king, are doing what? Quote, holding up to the tradesmen the grim picture of misery and want to induce them to yield to tyranny, end quote. Misery and want. So they're creating hardship and shortages. That's what that means. Misery means hardship, difficulty, stress, strain. Want means that they are lacking for something. That means that there are shortages of something. Does any of this sound familiar, by the way, ladies and gentlemen? Oh my gosh, Roman, what are you trying to say to us? Oh, nothing, nothing, nope, 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 me, nothing, what, me, Roman? Trying to say something? Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not saying anything. Nope, not me, not me, nope, not gonna say a word, because I don't, I don't want to scare anybody off the podcast now. I don't want anybody to hear words like that and you know, throw their hands up over their head and run screaming out away from the podcast like a 12-year-old child. I didn't say anything. 
So he does want a Congress. Quote, a Congress is of absolute necessity in my opinion. End quote. He is concerned, however, that it's going to take too long. And rightfully so. I mean, by April 19th of 1775, the Congress was set to meet again in May because they hadn't yet managed to find a clear solution to this problem because the king wasn't giving up. The parliament wasn't going to give up. These people had latched onto this idea of oppressing and harming the people in America, and they were not going to let go of that. They were going to hang on to it because that's what tyrants do. Again, quote, misery and want to induce them to yield to tyranny, end quote. Oh my gosh, Roman, would you stop saying that? You're going to scare people off the podcast. I, I know. But what's going to save us, besides the Congress? Quote, The virtuous forbearance of the friends of liberty may be powerful enough to command success, end quote. Virtuous, there's that word. I told you it was coming. Virtuous forbearance, not just forbearance. Virtuous forbearance. America, are, are you listening? Is anybody there? Hello? Um, he hello? Oh, yeah, yes, you're there? Okay. Virtuous forbearance, ladies and gentlemen. Virtuous forbearance. Samuel Adams is giving you the recipe for success. Best to pay attention because in this regard, when it comes to freedom and liberty, Samuel Adams is what I would call a master chef. Not only is he the big guns of the American Revolution, he is a master chef in the recipe for freedom and liberty. But to understand that, we have to actually study the letters from our founding fathers. This appears to be a bridge too far for the American people. Those of you, by the way, who are still on the podcast and do try to get the word out about the podcast, I really appreciate that. You know, here's the thing about this. You know, the, the American people really do believe, like the biggest bunch of morons ever to walk the face of the earth, that they're actually going to be able to save this constitution that we have, this great system of government that was created for us. And they're going to be able to save that Declaration of Independence by simply doing the same thing that they've been doing for the last 70, 80, 90 years. They really do believe that. Isn't that cute? Or is it sad? I don't know which. But I say we do something different. I say we actually read the letters from our founding fathers, the instruction manual that came with the Constitution. You want to understand how that thing works? You want to understand how to use it, how to defend it? Uh, we kind of have to go back to the, uh, the manual, which is what we do. So I want to thank Samuel Adams for uh, teaching us a little bit about virtuous forbearance and the Friends of Liberty. Are you a friend of liberty, by the way? We've talked about this before on this podcast. Are you a friend of liberty, like Samuel Adams says? I sure hope so. Have I scared anybody away from the podcast yet? Yeah, are people getting tired of me, me asking that question? Anyway, I'll keep saying it as long as I feel like I want to have some fun with it. I, I am having some fun with that, by the way. That and I'm kind of, you know, you know, poking some of the some of the people who listen to the podcast, some, especially the new people who aren't used to this stuff yet. Somebody who might have, this might be the first episode they're listening to. I'm trying to uh, test their commitment to this material. You see, the Founding Fathers were very committed to freedom and liberty, so much so that we still get to enjoy it today, 200 and some odd years later, right? But how committed are the American people to sustaining that for the next generation? And the evidence so far, up to the date that I'm recording this episode, is not very committed whatsoever. But we're hoping to change that. So we're going to continue reading here from, from Samuel Adams so he can educate us on what it was. What was, the, what was the price of this thing? What was the cost? Of course, he already told us that, the mangled bodies of our countrymen. Did that wait, wait a minute. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have said that. Dog on it. That's going to scare probably three or four more people off the podcast. So let's read a letter to a Silas Dean. This was written in Boston on May the 31st of 1774. And I quote, I received your favor of the 26th instant by the hands of Mr. Revere. I am glad to find that it is fully the opinion of your committee that some immediate and effectual measures are necessary to be taken for the support of this town. 
I have just now received intelligence, and I am apt to believe it, that several regiments are to be posted in the town. What can this mean but to pick a quarrel with the inhabitants and to provoke them to take some violent steps from whence they may have a specious pretense to carry matters to the greatest extremity? We shall be hard-pressed, and it will be difficult for us to preserve among the people that equanimity which is necessary in such, an ar in such arduous times. The only way that I can at present think to bring the ministry to their senses is to make the people of Great Britain share in the misfortunes which they bring upon us. End quote. Well, that's interesting. Does any of this um, sound like something that Dr. Franklin or John Adams or William Tudor said to us before? And I quote, What can this mean but to pick a quarrel with the inhabitants and to provoke them to take some violent steps from whence they may have a specious pretense to carry matters to the greatest extremity? End quote. Who's going to carry things to the greatest extremity? The parliament, the king. That's what he's talking about. But they're trying to provoke the inhabitants. That would be the American colonists. This is the same thing that we have heard before. This is probably the fourth time we've heard this. Somebody basically saying that they understand, they know that the parliament and the king are trying to provoke a war. They're trying to start a war. And what is his response to this? I mean, later in this letter, I'll read you the sentence before I even get there, but it's the same thing we heard before. Quote, A Congress appears to me to be of absolute necessity to settle the dispute with Great Britain. End quote. That's their response, a Congress. Now, I want you to, I want, I want to give you a scenario, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to try very hard to scare some people off of this podcast. And by the way, if this, if this scenario that I'm about ready to give you scares, successfully scares you away from this podcast, you are the kind of coward that Samuel Adams was talking about when he said, go from us in peace. We require neither your counsel nor your arms, but bow down and lick the hands that feed you, and may your chains rest lightly upon you. Do you remember that? Anybody remember that quote? It's a few episodes ago. But I want you to imagine, if you will, th imagine the intolerable acts of 1774 being revisited upon some city in the Union today. So Britain is basically retaliating because of the Boston Tea Party. That's their excuse, anyway. But instead of asking simply for payment of the tea, which they should have done, just as Dr. Franklin indicated, they're starting to send in the military. Quote, I have just now received intelligence, and I am apt to believe it, that several regiments are to be posted in the town. End quote. The military is being dispatched. Martial law. And, of course, we know the government is going to be overthrown, a military dictator is going to be installed, the Constitution violated, and commerce impeded in and around the Port of Boston, amongst other things. Now, I want you to imagine, if you will, if there was a protest in a city in the United States today. It could be in Boston of today, it could be in some city in California or somewhere else. I want you to picture that in your mind. There's a protest, and some property gets damaged. This probably shouldn't be hard to imagine. Oh my gosh, Roman, what are you saying? I, I'm not saying anything. What, me? Roman? Am I, am, I, am I saying anything here? Oh, Roman, are you talking about something specific? Me? Specific? Roman? No. I would never be specific about anything on this podcast because that would scare away people from the podcast. And I don't want to scare the, the American babies out there. Those weeping babies who run screaming away from this podcast with their hands in the air because, eh, it's boring, it's too long, didn't read. I don't have time for this old-timey history, the mythology of the Founding Fathers. You know, this history that didn't exist, it didn't really happen, because it was, yeah, it was 200 years ago. Might as well be, you know, Homer's Tales of Troy, for all I care, right? That's what they say. But I want you to imagine that protest in some American city. They damaged some property. Let's say it's federal property, okay? And let's say in response to that, instead of, you know, having the locals arrest somebody and, you know, charge them with damage to property or requesting payment, damages for the property, so on and so forth, instead of doing that, the politicians the quote-unquote administration, and when I say the administration, I mean, you know, the administration that you don't like, whichever one that is. 
Not the one that you like. Not the one that whispers sweet nothings into your ears, promises you the world. The one that you love, the one that you think is going to save all of mankind from the trials and tribulations of our day. Not that administration. I want you to picture the administration that you hate. Whichever one that is. I want you to picture that president in your mind when you picture this. Like nails on a chalkboard, I want you to picture that person. The one that you absolutely detest, regardless of who it is. I want you to imagine that what they do is send the military into your city, the United States Armed Forces. Regiments. Not a platoon, not a company. Regiments, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're curious about the size of a regiment, I'm not going to get into it. Just go online and research it. That's a sizable force. And not just one regiment, but multiple regiments. They send those into your city. Not only that, not only that, they take down your governor and they overthrow the state constitution. And they begin the process of basically purging people out of your state legislature and replacing them with people loyal to the administration that you hate. Remember, this is going to be the administration that you hate, not the one that you like. I want you to picture that in your head. Now, can you imagine any outcome at all in that city? Let's say it's uh, a city in Massachusetts or let's say California or wherever. We'll say California. That's a fun one. Let's say this happened in California. Can you imagine anything other than people just absolutely losing their freaking minds and rioting in the streets? Can you imagine anything other than that happening? Because I can't. But Samuel Adams, the big guns of the American Revolution, the rabble-rouser of the American Revolution, what's his response? Quote, a Congress appears to me to be of absolute necessity to settle the dispute with Great Britain, end quote. Now, of course, that has to be a Congress that's actually oriented towards defending the rights and liberties of mankind and the American people, not one that's interested in only cashing checks and buying mansions, but that's what he says. Now, of course, things changed on April 19th. Someone might say out there, well, Roman, do you think uh, they, the colonists were wrong in reacting the way they did on April 19th? No. I think they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Because once that military actually started pointing their guns at the citizenry, those soldiers stopped being soldiers and they started being terrorists. Yes, I said it. And this is supposed to be what we're celebrating on Independence Day every year. Now, nobody wants to talk about it except for me and five other people. And when I talk about it, I scare the crap out of all the little babies out there in America and they run screaming out of this podcast and they never come back. Because they don't want to hear it. They don't want to know what the price of their freedom was. They don't want to hear about the mangled bodies. That's why they don't talk about it. And that's why they talk about the Founding Fathers like their mythology. Because they don't want to admit what the price of their freedom truly was. This freedom that they enjoy, that they apparently don't want to hand down to their children because they're bleeding it dry. And not putting any energy into defending it. Because they refuse to read the letters from our Founding Fathers. Or just listen to this podcast, one of the two. I've told you people before. It's not like... It's not like I, I really desperately need anybody to listen to this podcast, okay? I make no money doing this. I lose money every single day I do this podcast, and I lose time every single time I'm recording this podcast. I do this basically as a public service. I could do another podcast that's much less controversial, maybe a little bit more popular, and, and I could probably, and I might be able to make money doing it, maybe. I certainly wouldn't have to worry about the American babies on that podcast, but understand what the price of our freedom really is. Regiments are being dispatched. The army is being formed up. Military dictators are being installed. And soon enough, that military will be shooting at Americans. That's what it takes to be free, ladies and gentlemen. Are, are you prepared for that? If somebody put you in a time machine and sent you back to 1775, would you be willing to get shot at? And would you be willing to shoot back? Because make no mistake, that British column that came out of Boston, it was chased all the way back to Boston and shot at every single inch of the way back to Boston. As it was running back to Boston, it was being shot at by everybody in the area who could muster up with a rifle. Would you be prepared to do that? Because allegedly that's what we're celebrating every Independence Day. That's, that's what it should be, right? Yes. Why won't anybody talk about it? 
Oh, Roman, people do talk about it. No, they don't. Not really. Why, Roman, what are you trying to say? I'm just talking reality here, folks. And I'm being delicate about it, as delicate as I can be under the circumstances. I'm trying not to scare any of the babies off the podcast. And no, not all. Of, I'm not talking about all of you. The folks, there's a core group of people who've stuck with this podcast for quite a while. You folks have demonstrated that you're willing to listen to Samuel Adams, study this history so that you can be a better citizen, better equipped to, to defend the Constitution. In other words, to perform the duties of your office. That is to say, to be an American citizen. The American babies, on the other hand, have decided that sucking their thumb and going on vacation is better use of their time. And they don't want to pass down this inheritance that they got called the United States of America to their children or to the next generation. They just want to bleed it dry, suck the life out of it, and then hopefully they die before this becomes a very serious problem. That's most Americans. Just FYI. Oh my gosh, Roman, did you just accuse most Americans of basically being coward? Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Prove me wrong. And study the letters from our founding fathers and quit sucking this country dry and leaving nothing for the next generation. Am I the only one who cares about Gen Z, by the way? Am I the only one? Is there anybody else out there who cares? You know, sometimes I wonder this. Of the people who agree, of the people who want to join with me in studying the Founding Fathers and want to perpetuate this thing that Samuel Adams is talking about, because he's talking about a very serious thing right here. I don't know which group of people in this country is really going to be the problem, or if it's going to be all of the above. Because on the one hand, you might say the older Gen X types and the and the baby boomers, they might say of me. You know, oh, this young whippersnapper, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just some dumb millennial, uh, doesn't, doesn't understand, you know, the nuances of this, hasn't been alive long enough. And the millennials, you know, they might not take me seriously because I'm a contemporary. I'm one of you. And the, the Gen Z types probably wouldn't take me seriously because I'm just some old-timey person, doesn't understand the younger generation, or doesn't understand the modern era, or whatever, whatever stupid crap it is that young people typically say. I wonder which one of these groups is going to be a bigger problem for this country as it pertains to what I'm trying to say. Does anybody have any guesses on that? Like which one's going to be the biggest problem? I don't know. Sometimes I sometimes I, 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 I think about that and I wonder. But this is serious stuff that we're talking about here. And it, we got to get back to studying it. We really do. And Samuel Adams is making a very serious point. A very serious point. And let's continue on reading what Samuel Adams is saying about this. Quote, A Congress appears to me to be of a absolute necessity. To settle the dispute with Great Britain, if she, by her violent and barbarous treatment of us, should not totally quench our affection for her, and render it impracticable. I hope no hardships will ever induce America to submit to voluntary slavery. I wish for harmony between Britain and the colonies, but only upon the principles of equal liberty, end quote. He wants harmony with Great Britain, just like all the rest of them. This sounds very familiar, like what everybody else was saying during the time. But it, they have to defend their rights. Because they don't want their children to grow up in slavery. Riddle me this. Do the older generations in the United States today care if Gen Z grows up into slavery? Or if Gen Alpha grows up into slavery? Do they even care? Like in the aggregate. I know some of you do, don't get me wrong. But given the nature of the weeping babies in this country, does it... And by the way, when I say weeping babies, I'm not talking to... Some people might think, are you talking about Gen Z? No. No. I'm talking about millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers. Not all of them, of course. Because that certainly doesn't apply to me, and it probably doesn't apply to you. But it applies to a lot of them. Because they, they don't seem to want to understand what Samuel Adams is saying here. And they don't seem to want to commit towards making sure that Gen Z has their inheritance. And Gen Alpha has their inheritance that they deserve. I'm committed to it. I'm willing to lose money six ways from Sunday and, and spend a lot of time doing this podcast. By the way, those other voices that you listen to on podcast or whatever that are talking about the Constitution and talking about the Declaration of Independence, do you think they would be doing it if they weren't making money doing it? 
Do you think they would spend any time at all talking to you about this unless they were making a lot of money doing it? Have you ever thought about that? Just in case you ever wondered what the truth of this situation really is. I'm just putting it out there. Oh my gosh, Roman, are you saying what I think? You're saying, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But anyway, I mean, this statement, this line right here, quote, I hope no hardship will ever induce America to submit to voluntary slavery. This man was thinking about, I guarantee you, when, he, when this thought was running through his head, he was thinking about his children, his family. He wanted, he wanted his rights, this constitution, the colony that he lived under, this, this life that he had built. He wanted his children to be able to grow up in this, this environment that was more free than many places in the world. He wanted their rights to be intact. We should want the same thing for the next generation, right? Exactly. I'm, all I'm saying on this episode is we need to think more like Samuel Adams. And Samuel Adams wasn't just going to shut up and mind his business. He was going to say something about it. Remember? He talked about idleness. We can't do that. We have to, we have to be doing something. I'm glad for Samuel Adams. This guy is, uh, I'm glad he was there. Without Samuel Adams, I, I really worry that anything great would have ever happened in this country. And I will say that I, there was another letter that I was going to read. I'll probably read it on the next episode. I will say that, you know, I am, I've had a heck of a week, ladies and gentlemen. I've had a heck of a week. My, I'm basically just, I'm spent as far as energy goes. I, I In more ways than I can possibly articulate to you. So I'm going to not read that next letter because I can only afford to get so worked up on this on this episode. And instead, I'll just spend the next few minutes talking to you about Samuel Adams, what I like about this guy. You know, Samuel Adams was, he was called the father of the American Revolution for a reason. You know, and like John Adams said, I believe it, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but he said that, you know, the history of the revolution could not be written without the character of Samuel Adams. And he said that Americans didn't fully capture or understand how important Samuel Adams was, but Great Britain understood it. He said something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but you get the idea. I find that very fascinating. Sometimes Americans don't understand what is, what is sitting right in front of them and the value that that is, but the enemy understands it. It's probably why that British column, it's understood generally that that British column marched out of Boston that morning with orders to find Samuel Adams and arrest him. What would you have done? Would you have defended Samuel Adams? Would you have stood in front of that British column and defended that man? I like to think that I would have. What kind of commitment would you have had to these principles before they even existed on paper in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence? I mean, they existed in colonial charters, they existed in their Constitution as they saw it, and they certainly existed on paper in the letters that they would, they would write to each other. But they didn't have something quite so grand as our Constitution. They didn't have something quite so grand as our Declaration of Independence written down on paper at the time, except in the letters. Because again, keep in, keep in mind, the letters are the instruction manual to the Declaration and the Constitution. But they were still willing to fight and die for these rights. And we benefit from that today. It's important that we pass that on to the next generation and not just bleed this country dry and leave nothing for them. People wonder sometimes, and they don't appreciate, many people don't appreciate these, these episodes that I do on the common defense. I don't know why, because it's in the Constitution, unless they feel ashamed of themselves, of course. Is there anybody out there, I mean, they've probably left already, but is there anybody out there from the baby boom generation, for example, or older Gen Xers? Do you feel ashamed for having let this country dismantle the United States military in the 1990s? Do you feel ashamed of yourselves? And I'm not saying that you should, I'm just asking the question. And what kind of a position does that put Gen Z in today? What kind of a precarious position are they in? There's a reason why I talk about the common defense. If you don't understand it and you don't appreciate it, I would strongly suggest that you try. I'm trying to defend I'm trying to defend what Samuel Adams created here. I'm trying to articulate the things that we have to do to make sure that we don't lose it and to make sure that Gen Z gets their inheritance. I when I was born into this country, it was during the Cold War, 
there was all there was still the threat of nuclear annihilation. Technically, there still is today. But when I was born into this country, I received my inheritance that Samuel Adams fought for. And I, I have enjoyed that inheritance ever since. And I have done the best that I think I can do within reason, knowing what I know or knowing what I knew, to try to make sure that this thing was perpetuated for the next generation so that they receive their just inheritance. This thing that, this thing that Samuel Adams fought for is not easy. It's not easy to maintain it. It's not easy to keep it. It, it takes a lot of work. And, you know, getting up and going to work in the morning and doing our job and, you know, raising children and dedicating yourselves to your family, it's, it's not enough. And going out and voting every couple of years, it's not enough. It just isn't. The last hundred years have proven that. We got to be like, we got to be more like Samuel Adams. Got to be very dedicated to this thing. Very, very dedicated. I always enjoy reading Samuel Adams. He's a, he's a very interesting character. And his cousins, John Adams, very much so as well. I think I like John Adams a little bit better than I do Samuel Adams, but it's, it's really hard to pick between the two of them, in my humble opinion. It's very, very difficult, because they both have such a character about them. But they put it all on the line, folks. They put it all on the line. So I, certainly a big thank you to Samuel Adams. If he were still alive today, I absolutely adore this man. In the next letter that I read to you from Samuel Adams on the next episode, uh, it, it'll either be the next, it'll probably be the next episode, because I'm cutting this one short. Uh, I won't. I won't do an off episode next time around. I'll do the. I'll do another letters from Samuel Adams again. It'll probably be. It'll probably be a little bit shorter, but that's fine. But he's gonna t- in the next letter that I'm gonna read to you. He's gonna talk a little bit about America and what it is becoming in his time. Uh, the potential greatness that's that's locked away in America. I found I found it to be a fairly inspiring letter, and I, I will read that on the next episode. And I think we all need to kind of recommit to that. But I hope you enjoy the. Samuel Adams' letters as much as I do. What's the big takeaway from this episode? He, he reinforces again that the Parliament and the King were trying to start a war, and they were. He reiterates that a Congress is absolutely necessary, and it is. And he reiterates that America must be united. It must have the virtue and the morality to do the right thing. And in all of that, and of course, again, the Congress has to be a Congress that's not cashing checks and buying mansions. It has to be dedicated towards defending liberty. But all of that is a great recipe for freedom and liberty in the United States of America. But we have to be we have to be vigilant. We have to be diligent. And we're going to hear a little bit about that in the next letter from Sam Adams. So I appreciate you bearing with me on this shorter episode of the Letters from Our Founding Fathers podcast. And I hope those of you who have stuck with the podcast will continue to do so. The the basically the study group has been essentially cut in half over the last 5 or 6 episodes. It's been uh it's been halved and I have no problem saying that most podcasters would be sad or uh, something to report that, but you know, not me necessarily. You know, the American people are the American people after all. I can't expect them to, well, let me rephrase. I can't expect very many of them to actually be dedicated towards studying this material. This is not something the American people do. They can't be bothered to actually study their, the origins of where they came from in substantive depth, as I would describe it. Uh, it's more uh, it's more something for the, the rare quality of American that you are, the, those folks who stick around on this podcast, and I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully we can find a few more uh, people to actually stick around. I have, I have challenged this, uh, this podcast audience quite a bit over the last few episodes by being very blunt and very direct and being harsh. And I will continue to do so. I'm certainly not going to lighten up. That's not what I do. You know, we'll continue to hit on some controversial things, including, you know, the price of American freedom. What Sam Adams was describing was basically a civil war in the making. And the fact that, you know, British soldiers, that would be the military, our military at the time, uh, decided to 
take shots at us, and the American people were very willing to square off with the British military, which is a good thing. It's the reason why we're all here. We could all be grateful for that. And again, Independence Day, it's a few months down the road, but remember to talk about that on Independence Day. For God's sakes, if you take nothing away from this podcast, take the information you learn here about the Civil War that was started by the Parliament, by the King. Take that discussion into your remembrance on Independence Day. And don't let people around you forget. Just don't let them forget. Uh, These people are worth talking about, the ones who had to sacrifice for us so that we could be here. I always appreciate them, whether they served in 1775 or whether they serve today. Really appreciate it. And those patriots like Samuel Adams, who wrote vigorously in defense of the rights of America, always remember Samuel Adams and remember to talk about him because what John Adams said was accurate. The, The true history of the American Revolution cannot be written without the character of Samuel Adams. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but that's roughly what he said. So that means if we are going to remember the revolution on Independence Day, we have to talk about Samuel Adams. We have to. We have no choice. John Adams told us we have no choice. We have our marching orders. And that's not me saying that. That's John Adams saying that. And for all those people who listen to this podcast and get scared and run away from it, understand you're not running away from me. You're not running away from this podcast. You're running away from the Founding Fathers, which is kind of a sad commentary when you think about it. So all the more reason why I appreciate you folks who stick around. So thank you for that. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll be uh, back on the next episode with more letters. And I hope that you will join me on that episode. Oh, and that reminds me, uh, before I forget, episode 100, again, is coming. Make sure, uh, provide any suggestions that you have for the content of that episode if you so choose. I wanted to give you one more reminder today. Uh, to do that, leave a review on Apple Podcasts with a suggestion for what we can talk about on the 100th episode. Or go over to Patreon, uh, if you so choose. You don't have to. Create an account and uh, sign up for a membership over there, and then you can send messages through Patreon. And there should be a link in the show notes, etc. And then I'm looking forward to episode 100. That's going to be a good stopping point to kind of talk about some other things, just to answer some questions, that kind of thing. I hope you'll join me uh, for every episode between now and then. Uh, But until then, until the next episode, that is, this is Roman signing off. Thank you.